Good to see everybody here. Some people wonder if I still worked here. I do. I do, and I love to preach the word, but um, you know, I do remind people all the time, it's not about me or my wife, it's about you know, the whole body of Christ, and the fivefold ministry operating in, in our church, learning how to receive from everybody, you know, and, and it's good, you know, I'm not going anywhere, I'll be here forever, I'll leave a, I'm thinking now I'm going to live probably 150 years, because my wife is getting like some really good new stuff that I'm, you know, learning and, and eating and, and drinking. And so I'm thinking uh, going from 120 to 150 maybe. So if you want to join, you know, we could put our faith there. But it's got to be exciting though, 150 exciting years. Uh, anyways, uh, we, uh, this is part two. So I, I want to remind you, this is part two of, um, of a relationship series that I started two weeks ago. And in the whole February, it was just a month on love and relationships and, and uh, learning God's way for it, you know. So we have so much of this material, and we love it because here's the thing. When you, when you believe in grace, when you believe in the grace message, right, and you're like, yeah, I'm a grace guy, okay, you need to learn how to love because grace looks like love. And true love gives freedom, and true freedom has room for mistakes, Therefore, you, if you believe in grace, you know, it's not just one way. God, thank you for all the grace you have for me and love me unconditionally. But it's also my responsibility to learn how to love well so I can create an environment of grace for all those around me. Okay? So that's why it is so important. You know, it's not just like, oh, February, month of love, what should we do? No. You know, this is a pillar of our church. is a, is a foundational thing. Like, we want people to feel loved and learn how to love well. So one of, the, one of the books that, you know, we mention a lot, we still hear all the time, and I highly encourage you to read, and it's, it's, it's from uh, a lot of what I'm teaching today is from there, um, is the Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. If you haven't read that book, I encourage you to go through that book, to read it a few times. We read this book at least once a year, and let me tell you, it never gets old, and it always sharpens us and reminds us to continue to keep our love on towards people, because it's really easy to let our love grow cold, and start getting little offenses and a little bit of bitterness and a little bit of those kinds of roots. And then all of a sudden you find, your place, you find yourself in a place years later of like, how did I get here? How did I get so bitter and so angry? And so, you know, so it's an exercise, you know, to, to, to produce this fruit, right? It's one of the fruit of, uh, one of the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit is, is love, right? So therefore, you know, we, we should continually be producing love around us. And when you produce love in your life and there's love around you and you have a love environment, there's, you, can, you can tell because people feel safe in it. So ask yourself, how safe do people feel around me? You know, I don't want to be the guy where people don't feel safe around and they feel judged because that tells me I'm not loving well. You can tell how safe Jesus was by how, how the, you have a man who knew no sin Okay, perfect and holy man, the son of God, right? How safe did sinners feel around him, right? It had to be very, very safe for prostitutes and tax collectors and, and, and you know, these kinds of people to be around him. You know, they referred to them as like, oh, he's surrounded by sinners. Does he not know who these people are? How many times have you read that in the Gospels, right? Why were they able to be around him? Because they did not feel judged. They didn't feel condemned. They felt safe around Jesus. Therefore, they could be in his presence. And do we not want people to experience Jesus through our lives? 
So if we do, then we must make it our goal in life to learn how to love well. Regardless of the calling and the destiny in your life, you need to learn how to love people well. Because that's the same love you receive. And the Bible says, freely you've received, freely give. Right? What have you received freely? Everything from God. You didn't earn a thing. You couldn't even if you wanted to. He only received by faith. By faith and the grace of God. Right? It's his grace and it's our faith in the son of Jesus that allows us to receive everything and every promise and his love in everything in our life. Amen? Okay, so I encourage you to watch the first part. In the first part, we talked about a powerful connection, and we talked about how we are powerful. God created us powerful, and we get to choose, okay? We are not victims, but we get to choose the relationships that we're in and, and, and the boundaries that we set and the levels of connection and the levels of intimacy that we have with people in our life, okay? So, all right. And so... Um, so today we're talking about a healthy connection. Say with me, a healthy connection. And I do hope you're taking notes because I have a lot of stuff to give you. I normally have like one or two points, but uh, you can really study this. <laughs> like Bob and Audrey, I'm going to go with 15 points and get out at 2 p.m. <laughs> if you're watching, I love you. It's, it's just a joke. <laughs> but uh, it was so good. It was so good. I did not want to leave you uh, last weekend. But um, so, so I, have, I have a lot of information. So this is more than just a one-pointer thing. It's not a one-pointer thing. It's something you need to take notes and then go home and take inventory, okay? So I'm giving you stuff so that you can take inventory of your relationships and, and kind of start assessing where are you at with this, okay? So I'm going to talk about three, three main things. And first of all is the pillars of a healthy relationship. And these pillars help us sustain healthy relationships and if you've read the book, you've seen the pillars. It's amazing stuff. We're not going to camp in all of them, but I do want to mention uh, these these pillars. Obviously, all of this is in the Bible. So, excuse me if I don't uh, if we don't have a lot of scripture. We did we had a lot of scripture in the first part, but I want to get into some of the practical things that we can see uh, for us. Okay, so so the first pillar is the um, the pillar of love. Okay. And, um, and if you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, there's a great description of what love looks like. And none of those, like I said last week, is a feeling of butterflies. <laughs> that could be like the effect of, you know, being uh, in, a, in a, what do we call it? Um, it's the infatuation, that's right. Those are the effects of infatuation, right? Those are the effects of like when you're pursuing someone and they reply and that's great, right? Those are, those are signs of something that's happening on, on the inside, but it's not the definition of love, you know? Love is patient, love is kind, love is, you know, suffers all things and, and uh, keeps no record of wrong. And you can read there the, those characteristics. So if, we, if we're talking about uh, these pillars, okay, love is the first one, you know, and love communicates to the other person, I care about you, okay, I value you, and not just you as a person, but also your dreams and your destiny. I care about the whole you, okay? So that, that pillar should communicate to you and, and you to others that you care about them. And that you care about, you know, not just their money, you know what I mean? Like, it's clearly, it's clear, you can clearly see when in a relationship there's no pillar of love. It's more like the pillar of interested in, in your toys. 
right? I mean, listen, as we go through these pillars, you're going to realize that most of your high school friends weren't friends. <laughs> okay. We talked about last week about being powerful. And, uh, you know, we get to choose. We are powerful. You know, first, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, um, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline or self-control, right? That means all these things that we need for healthy relationships and powerful connections and, and, and our destiny and everything that God called us to do is already inside of us through the Holy Spirit, okay? We have a spirit of power, love, and self-control. You know, so because I am powerful, I can choose and I can clearly assess my relationships to know how to strengthen them, okay? And so the first one is love, okay? I care for you. It should communicate. I value you. And also, what, is, what do we say love does? It creates safety, right? So it makes you feel safe in our relationship. That is not conditional. We talked about unconditional love last week, right? That we can learn to love people without conditions. And that is hard because it's easy to love those that are like us, behave like us. But it's harder to love those that are not like us, that are very different than us. Than that, that react and behave differently than we do. But yet, Jesus did it, and he called us to do it, right? Okay. <laughs> the second pillar is the pillar of honor, okay? And honor is something that we talk a lot about here because honor is, uh, we call it the currency of heaven because it allows you to draw life right, from that person, you know, honor your mother and father so that your days on the earth would be long, right, would be extended. Life comes out of honor, right? If you honor a prophet and the prophet's name, you receive the prophet's reward, right? So when you learn to honor people, you receive from them. But here's, the, here's what's important in relation about the pillar of honor. The pillar of honor says, I love you just as you are, and I am committed to call the best out in you. Okay, so it kind of looks like this. When I, when I honor you, I can say, hey, you're better than that. Instead of judging you and, and making you feel like really ashamed for what you did, you know, it, when the pillar of honor is in a relationship, I can speak to you and I can say, hey, you are way better than that. That's not like you at all. Right? When I learn to honor my children, I can separate behavior from identity and call them and say, hey, you're better than that. Don't act like that. That is not who you are. Right? Because honor calls you up to a higher place. See, Jesus called us to a higher place when he, when he chose to call his friends and no longer slaves. Right? Because both are true. Some people say, like, I'm just a servant of God. I'm just a servant of God. Yeah, there's truth in that. But there's a higher truth, which he called you to a higher place, which is that one of a friend. Right? Now, you can act like and stay like a servant your whole life. But the opportunity to be a friend of God has been extended to you already. Which one you experience depends on which one you take on. Okay? So... Honor brings people up to a higher level, right? When, when you have this pillar in your relationships, you're bringing each other up to a higher level instead of pulling each other down to the lowest one, which I'm sure many of you experienced in your teenage years, 
being pulled down to the lowest of levels because of the people you surrounded yourself with, right? And you would go out and tell your, your, your Christian parents, like, don't worry, Dad, I'm going to evangelize all of them. We're all going to be at church by Sunday. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I've yet to hear one of those stories. It kind of works a little different. The idea is good. The third one is self-control. You know, this is a great pillar to have in a relationship. It's the pillar of uh, self-control that says, I am committed to control myself and not you. <laughs> right? I mean, some friends are only friends when they can control you and tell you what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and if you do it. Right? But a healthy relationship has a pillar of self-control that says, I am committed to control myself, my decisions, and maintain my connection towards you. And hoping you do the same, right? And some relationships don't have that pillar. Okay. This is one we should probably move from. Move from. I will manage my, my goal of connection, right? I will not cross into your freedom. Hmm. And then in, with the pillar of self-control, you get to manage yourself and manage your freedom. You know there's people that don't know how to manage freedom? They have a little bit of free time and they just go crazy. But God gave us, right, 2 Timothy 1.7, a spirit of self-control. So I can control myself. I, I have, let me say this. I have the power inside of me to control myself, to tell myself what to do. If you can do that, you're doing really good. You know, sometimes people think powerful people are the loudest ones and the ones that can get people to do what they want. That's not true. A lot of times those end up being actually abusive people, manipulative people, right? Powerful people are the ones that can tell themselves what to do and follow through with it, you know? The ones that can say, I am not going to, I was going to say eat sugar, but that one is, hits really close to home <laughs> because I was sugar-free for months and then you want to hear something very not powerful? And then COVID hit. <laughs> COVID has made so many people powerless. Companies, businesses, powerless, right? I mean, we've all used it. Let's laugh at that. <laughs> all right. Responsibility. This is a good one. Responsibility, the pillar of responsibility goes really close in hand um, with self-control. Yeah, and my handwriting just got bad. Um, responsibility is the ability to respond, right? Simply broken down that way. It's the opposite of reaction. Reaction is like a knee-jerk reaction, right? You kick me, I punch you. I didn't even think about it. I don't know why, anything. I'm just going to retaliate right now, right? Reaction. And I always tell my kids, reaction, whether it's against somebody or it's about something inside of you, reaction is everything, right? 
because it, it could be loaded with emotions, it could be loaded with anger, it could be loaded, and then you can't take it back. So responsibility is the ability to respond, you know, and in, in, in a relationship, it, um, it's about making powerful choices that are consistent with who you are and what you say you are. Commitment, maintaining commitment in the face of difficulties. You have the ability to respond and say, I am going to stay the course regardless of what's going on around me. I am going to stay the course. I'm going to respond in love. I'm going to respond. I'm going to choose to stay connected to you because I have the ability to respond instead of react because of how I feel right now. So when you have this pillar, you know, in it, it, it actually helps with feeling safe and it helps with feeling, uh, with building trust because you know that at least each, each, each one of you has the ability to respond. You know, I can't tell you how many times me and my wife have thanked each other throughout the years for not being psycho. <laughs> right? I mean, you've, you've seen those movies, right? Where all of a sudden, you know, they wake up next to somebody and it's a completely different person. And it's like, where did this, who is this person, right? And so many times, like, you know, you hear a story or something, you go, honey, thank you for not being psycho. <laughs> thank you that I know, okay? And it's going to lead us into the next pillar, okay? <laughs> Which is the, uh, the pillar of faith, okay? When two people are committed... To make God their source. When two people are committed to make God their source. When we have the pillar of faith in a relationship. And let me tell you, this one is a big one. Even for friendships, it, it really makes a difference. When your friend has the pillar of faith with you. Because you, you choose, and in a marriage, obviously, right? You choose and you, that, that God is your source, your ultimate source for everything, and not the other person. Because if anyone in the relationship has put a person in the place of God, that is a scary relationship to be in. Because no person, no human can meet all the needs that a person has. Um, okay. So the pillar of faith is important. Um, you know, it keeps us uh, as God or as our ultimate authority, okay? And it also says you're responsible to see God for yourself. I'm responsible to see God for myself, right? So in a marriage, that is huge. That's why I don't believe in evangelistic marriages. If you're not married and you're looking to get married, don't think, oh, I'm going to bring him to the Lord, you know, through marriage. Uh-uh. It's not going to work. <laughs> okay. There's a lot of stuff we could laugh about there. We're just going to keep moving forward. Now, if you're married and your spouse isn't a believer, okay, the Bible clearly talks about that and says you stay married because they might come. There's a possibility, high possibility, they might come to know the Lord because of seeing Jesus in you. Okay, and so if there, don't feel bad, you know, if that's, that's who, there's a lot of them that maybe did this, and there's a lot that maybe one got saved while they were already married. You stay strong, and you show them the love of God 
through your life, okay? Okay, because that might draw them to the Lord. Amen? Okay, so that's the pillar of faith, okay? And now, this is one that I love. It's the pillar of vision. And this is so valuable. I can't tell you how valuable this one is. The pillar of vision in a relationship um, is when, when I know the, well, there's two visions. There's a mutual vision, like, oh my gosh, you know, like you're friends with somebody and like, can you imagine when our kids grow up and they get to be friends, you know, like, like that's, there's some kind of vision there in the relationship, right? You're saying there's going to be longevity in this and you have something to look for it. And then one day, what? You're both married. You both got kids and oh, your kids are playing, right? Okay. In a marriage, it could be, you know, you have a, vis- a mutual vision also that, you know, we are going to b- help build strong marriages through our testimony or we are going to help, you know, people in financial trouble and learn how to, you know, what's the vision that God is giving you to together as a marriage, right? So it could be as simple as those other things, or it could be as, as deep and long as the one in a marriage that I'm talking about, right? Um, but then there's also this one, which is the part of knowing the things that God has called you to do, right? The things that God has spoken to you to do for Him, and knowing your destiny, so that in the times when you're going through difficulties, because we have the pillar of vision, I can remind you, like, hey, remember what God said about you. Remember that word that he's been speaking to you about for years. Remember the vision that God gave you, right? So that we can be strength for one another. And this is also a hard one, that if you don't have friends who believe in the Lord, that you don't have these pillars. And in the times of difficulty, their support is rather shallow. I'm not saying it doesn't count, right? A a good friend is a good friend. But if you're missing the pillar of faith and the pillar of vision, you know, it's, it's not as deep as it could be when, I'm, when we're in a hard time and I remind you, hey, remember what God said. Remember what he called you to build. Remember what we're doing this for. Remember your purpose, your destiny, right? And what it does is it brings you back because the Bible says that people perish for lack of vision, right? That if there's no vision, right, just there's no direction, So in our friendship, I'm going to remind you the things that God has spoken to you, right? So that you can choose to make better decisions. Are you with me? Okay. Next one is truth, okay? And the pillar of truth is where we're going to, one, two, three, four, five, six. This is the seventh one. And this is where we're going to camp out for a little bit. Are you getting something out of this? All right. So what do you do if, uh, if you have none of those pillars? Well, you probably find some new friends. Because there's got to be some people where you share some of these pillars already, right? And if not, you try to build these things. You, know, you try to, do, I, do we have any of these things, you know, in our relationship? And let me tell you, that's why church is a great place to start. I'm not saying you can't have friends out of church. That's not what I'm saying at all. That'd be silly. What I'm saying is it's a great place to start because you share some of the most important ones, right? And it's uh, like-mindedness also, right? So you, you have a really good foundation of where to start from. And you at least have God as your source for both of you. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. Okay. So truth. Okay. As a matter of fact, instead of 
talking about truth first, I'm going to talk about trust. Because many people would say, well, what about trust? Trust shouldn't trust be a big pillar in this relationship, right? And you're right. Trust should be, but not trust as the world has defined trust. The world defines trust as being able to anticipate your every move and knowing that you're going to act and do what I would do. Right? Oh, yeah, I trust you because you act like me, you talk like me, and you would do exactly what I do. I can trust you. Right? That sounds very sane. <laughs> Somebody said. That sounds very like, like it makes sense. But yet, think about it. What happens the day that person doesn't behave like you thought they should have or said what you thought they were going to say? You know, what, what happens when they disappoint you? What happens when that is broken? Then you break trust, right? And what you have then is mistrust, which is just as having fear in a relationship, which is a threat to our connection. So we can't define trust as, as that, you understand what I'm saying? And you're like, ooh, I have a lot of those relationships. As a matter of fact, I've lost a lot of relationships because of broken trust. And now I realize I just liked them because they did what I thought they would do. And the minute they didn't, then the relationship went away. And let me tell you something. People aren't static. People are always changing, always growing. They go through situations, circumstances, and seasons of life that do things to them, and people change. For the good, for the bad, for both. Therefore, if I trusted you in this time, in this season, because you acted like I thought you should, and you did just what I would have done, but then you went through something or you changed seasons or you grew or you matured or whatever. And now it's different and our relationship hinges on that. Then the relationship is gone. Are you with me? Therefore, it, that can't be my definition of trust. Instead, the pillar I want to use is the pillar of truth. Because the pillar of truth says this. I know that you will tell me the truth of what's going on inside of you and that you will share that with me. See, the pillar of truth is about learning to share the truth of what's going on inside of me with the other person. Think about it. God doesn't act this way. How many times has God done something different in a different way or a different timing than you thought he would. <laughs> Every time. Sometimes some people say, right? So is God not trustworthy? Of course he is, right? So we can't treat people that way either. So God is trustworthy and we can trust his word, right? Even when he doesn't act when, how, or at the time that we think he's going to but he's still trustworthy. What he does share with us is the truth, right? He's given us his truth, right? A firm foundation, a rock that never changes. It's his word. So therefore, in my relationships, trust is going to be built as we tell each other the truth. And I don't mean like truth like, 
you're a jerk. I'm just telling you the truth. You're a jerk. No, that's not what I mean. Those are accusations and judgments and, you know, name calling and, and, and that doesn't build anything good, right? Oh, but I thought I was supposed to tell them the truth. Well, you got to learn how to communicate the truth inside. And that's what a lot of people don't know. You know, we used to have many, 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 many years ago. It's one lady in church. And I want to tell you, I am not proud of this because I've never done it in my life, but I had to do it once. And she didn't understand this message, so she went around telling everybody what was wrong with them. Harshly, I'm telling you. She had people crying at the end of every service, like on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday morning. He was like, what happened? So-and-so said this to me. And, and I, so I talked to this person, and I said, okay, what are you doing? Well, I'm telling the people the truth. It's for their own good, right? Oh, you're so selfless, woman. Okay, let me tell you something. You're supposed to learn how to say the truth in love, okay? And only if you have an invitation and a relationship with them, okay? Well, she didn't get the clear message that I conveyed. And because I am a protective pastor, I, um, I had to invite her to go to another church. It's the only time I've ever had to do that. But it was like, I'm serious. Like sheep weren't being slayed at the altar every week. I'm like, that's not, that, it's not those days anymore, lady, you know. But we need to learn how to communicate the truth inside. What is happening inside of me? How can I tell you, you know, with all these pillars in our life, you know, how can I share with you? Because here's the thing. If I always have to guess what's going on inside of you, that is not a safe place. That is not trust you know if I if I always I'm wondering like oh I wonder if they're happy or if they're mad at me this time like that is not a, a good place to be in a relationship we're not supposed to guess right so we need to learn how to communicate because we are powerful right remember there's there's victims there is abusers there's rescuers right and then there's powerful people and we're powerful people so I need to learn how to become a powerful communicator and be able to tell you the truth of what's going on inside of me, what's the purpose of it? To change you? To manipulate you? No. That's my part as a powerful person to tell you what's going on inside of me so that you, on the other side of the relationship, you, a powerful person, you, now have new information to decide what to do to manage yourself in our relationship. So, truth builds trust. Okay, I don't want to have to guess. Honey, what do you want to eat? I want you to know what I want. <laughs> That's not okay. <laughs> I mean, that's cool if you know her drink and, and it's like awesome, you know, points. But <laughs> if we're asking, <laughs> just... <laughs> You know, we care. So kindly respond. <laughs> I want you to know what I want. <laughs> you should know by now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You guys, should, you guys want a good laugh? You should look up Tim Hawkins on relationships and marriage stuff. It is so good. It's so funny. Okay, so the truth, truth builds trust. Okay, how do we build trust? 
by telling the truth, okay? That we don't have to guess, okay? That I know you'll tell me what's going on inside of you, that you'll tell me how you're experiencing me, right? If, if, if all of a sudden I'm having a, a rough week, you know, guess what? My wife is amazing and powerful. She'll call me in for a meeting. <laughs> Say, hey, you know, in a really nice way, she'll tell me, you know, I'm kind of experiencing you this way, you know? How do, how do we say that well, you know? You could, you could start with accusations, and that's not going to go well, right? But the way to do it is to tell the person, say, when you do this or when you say that, it makes me feel this way. You know, if you didn't watch a Tuesday live stream, I encourage you to watch it. Me and Nick had a great time. We were talking about some of this stuff, okay? Because you got to understand, communication has different levels, right? The, the surface level is, hey, how you doing? How's your week? How's the weather? Great weather, okay? Which is, is not wrong. It's how, how it all starts, right? It'd be kind of weird if we all started, tell me your deepest fears, you know? <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> you know, it's how it starts at men's group too, you know? We, we start in the surface, and then by the end, we're like, boom, deep in the mud, you know? And so, but the point is that we want to be able to get to, from just a surface conversation to needs and feelings. That's where intimacy is developed. And I'm not talking about sexual intimacy. I'm talking about intimacy in a relationship, like having a, a, an intimate friend like David and Jonathan. Like they were close. They knew each other. They knew each other's hearts, right? They, they shared something. And, then, and, and God wants the same thing with us, right? So intimacy means, in, well, it's a play on words, okay? Don't go look it up. Into me see, right? So it's, it's the process of cracking open up my heart, my chest, and, and showing you what's in there and how I'm experiencing you so that you now know what to do with that. And the problem is a lot of times, you know, people have used this to manipulate, and the way they say it is to try to get the other person to do something. But you are powerful, and you can control yourself. Therefore, you're able to share, right, and become vulnerable and, and show the person, look, this is, this is how I experience you. You know, every time you drive on the freeway, I feel like I'm going to die. And I've read that that is not a good feeling. You know, it's making me age faster. There you go. You're not trying to get a commitment out of them. You're not trying to, you know, you're just sharing. This is what happens inside of me. Now. Because you care and because we have all these pillars of love being the first one and you care about me. Now, you know, I'll leave it to you so that you can decide what to do about that. Right? Hmm. Okay. Truth. So we need to learn how to communicate. Right? And number, goal, number one goal of communication is not agreement. is understanding. I learned from a, a good friend probably like 16 years ago, um, uh, seek first to understand, then to be understood, you know, as Mark Collard, you know. And, uh, and the first time I heard that, I was like, whoa. I was like, Mr. Miyagi, like that was like the deepest thing I've ever heard, right? And, and I think uh, a lot of times we miss that because we, we have a need to be understood, right? But the Bible teaches us to put others first, right? Have the same attitude that Jesus did, right? Putting others first. And so if my goal number one in communication is not agreement, it's understanding, you know, we'll, our, we'll be enriched a lot more than, 
you know, than if it was agreement. Because what happens if our, if our goal number one is agreement? Don't get me wrong. Agreement is powerful, right? But it's not the number one goal of communication. Because if that was it, then we're both in competition to make each other agree with the other person. And it becomes about who's right. And it's a goal for disconnection, not connection. It's a relationship killer, okay? So therefore, my goal number one in communication is to understand you, then to be understood. Okay, seek first to understand. It needs to be understanding, um, not agreement. There's three, four communication styles that I want to bring up. Um, there, no elbowing, please. It's about which one are you, okay? So, <laughs> so the first one is the passive communicator, okay? The passive communicator believes you matter, I don't, okay? That's the passive communicator. It's the falsely humble person that, you know, has no value for themselves, what they want, what they desire, and all, the, all it says is, you matter, I don't. With the way they speak, with like, what do you want? Oh, nothing, whatever you want. You know? And they really want something, but they won't say it. Because they just want to please everybody else. Passive communicator. A lot of times, the passive communicators also are the type, like the victims, okay? And so you have the passive communicator says, you matter, I don't. It's like a goat, okay? Then you have the aggressive communicator which is the one that says, I matter, you don't, okay? Flat out, says as it is, right? I matter, you don't, that's my core belief. And because I matter, you don't, you know, guess what? A lot of times they end up in relationships with the passive ones because the aggressive communicator is like a T-Rex, the passive communicator is like a goat, and they agree on something. The T-Rex matters, the goat doesn't, Right? So they're in agreement. So a lot of times they end up in a relationship and it's a completely toxic, powerless relationship of a victim and an abuser. Right? Because the passive one believes you matter, I don't. The aggressive one believes I matter, you don't. Yay. And so the goat gives up limbs after limb after limb, you know, until there's no more goat. <laughs> or one day that goat blows up and goes crazy. And gets violent. And then you have the passive-aggressive communicator. The passive-aggressive is the most deceitful and ooh, scary of them all. Because the passive-aggressive communicator is like a chocolate-covered dragon. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. You're so nice. The passive-aggressive communicator, its core belief is you matter. Not really. There's a lot of sarcasm behind it. Like, I don't mean like joking sarcasm. I mean like real sarcasm, right? Like the passive aggressive communicator is the one that tells you what you want to hear and then goes behind your back and gossips about you, right? Passive aggressive communicator is the one that tells you, yes, you matter, and then goes outside and keys your car. I know, right? Very powerless. Um, and so all of these are powerless and toxic ways of communication, right? I mean, a lot of it sounds like, how are you feeling, honey? How was your day? 
like you care. Ooh, what's going on there? Right? You know, a lot of sarcasm, a lot of unresolved conflict and buried pain that is just coming out now in the ways that we communicate, and it's not healthy. But the powerful communicator is the assertive communicator, okay? The assertive, and assertiveness is about being able to say the truth in love and in a healthy way, okay? The assertive communicator believes this, and this is, <laughs> you know, this is, this is how God taught us how to, how to love. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, you matter, they do too, right? So the assertive communicator believes you matter and so do I. You matter and so do I, right? Because he has a value for himself and a value for other people. He has a heart of a servant, to serve other people, right, but has value for himself as well. And so we want to learn how to be assertive, powerful communicators that are communicating and loving their neighbors as themselves, that are communicating in a healthy way, that are learning how to open up inside and let other people see inside, that are not afraid to be vulnerable, that are not afraid to show them what's happening on inside, right? And the problem is a lot of people don't like to be vulnerable and show somebody what's going on inside because of me. Fears, fear of rejection, fear that if you really know me, you wouldn't like me, fear that, um, uh, I don't know, maybe it won't work out. And, but the problem is when you, when you choose not to be vulnerable, when you choose to not let people see inside, you also shut yourself out completely from ever having true, deep, meaningful relationships. And so all your relationships end up, have, end up being mostly surface or barely having any of these pillars in it. So the assertive communicator has value for all these pillars, right? Um, it's not accusatory. It's, it's powerful. Um, and I don't think I'm going to have time to go into the third one, but I'll tell you what it's about. The, the third thing is boundaries, right? Because when... So let me put it this way. The toxic way of the world is if I get hurt... I'm going to shut myself out and I'm just going to be fake because that is safe. So they achieve feeling safe through being closed off and through not having any deep, meaningful relationships. And that's, that keeps them safe, right? True safety comes from the pillar of love where I know I'm loved without conditions, right? But then it opens up a can of worms because I'll say, well, that means I got to love every crazy person that comes around and let him all the way into my heart and, you know, and in my life and allow him to make a mess every time and just continue loving. No, that's why boundaries exist. Okay. And I'm talking about healthy boundaries because a lot of time people think about boundaries as like rejecting people or somebody put a boundary on me. I'm being rejected, you know, and that's not it. If you think about it, when you create a boundary, how many of you have like a, a garden, like a little garden where you like, Cultivating food for the end of the world. Anybody? <laughs> We're trying to do one, you know. Probably not. Not going to be for a while. It's in my mind. I've thought about it so many times, you know. But what do you do when you have a garden? You, you put a boundary around it, right? It's not because you hate what's outside. It's because you love what's inside that you're protecting it. Right? So if you have, a, you have a garden, you know, and uh, you have, I don't know, you're growing strawberries, right? You put a fence around it because 
there's some deer, right, in the woods that come around and they eat your stuff. Now, you don't hate deer. They're beautiful. You want them to come around because you're like, oh, my gosh, come kids, look, the deer outside, you know. And like, like, you don't hate them. They're just like, they know no boundaries and they eat your strawberries every time. So you create a boundary to protect what's inside. So we need to think about boundaries, right, as protective things for what's inside. How do I protect my heart without shutting myself out from people but saying this is it? Like Jesus did this very well. There's thousands of people that came out to him. And then he had 12 and then he had three and then, right? So the, the closer the, the, the intimacy is, the less people are in that circle. Not because everybody else is bad, but simply because you don't have all the time and the resources to be intimate with everybody as you are with one person. So you have God, number one, then your spouse if you're married, and then you have some friends and you have other friends. It doesn't mean we become cliquish and reject everybody else that is there. No, it just means there's different levels of intimacy. So I really encourage you to pick up the book and read it and, uh, you know, and, and take an assessment of what's, you know, where you're at in your relationships with these seven pillars, you know, and, uh, and how are you doing at communicating to people in your life what's going on inside you? Listen, we're going to love people no matter what level of vulnerability they choose to do. We love you whether, you, whether you're naughty or nice, okay? We love you, you know, and, and we receive you whether you're choosing to be vulnerable or you want to stay fake. It's all right. Don't matter, you know. Fake people are easier to love. No, <laughs> but it's fake. And you, if you stay fake, you are missing out. You know, on what? On being known and loved just as you are. And God loves us and knows us. He knows us just as we are, and he still loves us fully. And he accepts us fully. Well, but what about my sin? And what about my addiction? Yeah, but, but God knows that's not who you are. That's why when in a relationship you have the, 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 um, the pillar of honor and you learn to love people, you also learn to separate the behavior. And you go, I know they're being stinky right now, but that's not who they are. And you choose to find the gold inside of them, right? And continue to pull that out. And that's when relationships really become beautiful and church family becomes amazing because we're all growing. We're all opening up to new places of vulnerability, learning how to, you know, do and love people well, how to um, create uh, this, this environment of love, which is where people are truly set free, where, it's, where people really feel safe. So did you guys get something out of that? I think uh, I'm going to stop now. Amen. And uh, let's, let me pray for you, and then I'm going to ask James to come up and dismiss us. Oh, Father, I thank you so much for the truth revealed to us, Lord. And I just pray that today, God, as, as we go, that we'd be able to take a good inventory of our relationships, of who's closest to us and what pillars do we share with them, which ones do we want to build with them. And I pray, God, that you continue bringing people into our lives with whom we can build long-lasting relationships, that we can, that we can feel loved and safe, not judged, that we can honor and be, and that there would be a two-way relationship where, where we're building one another, where we're loving one another. 
with the unconditional love of God. I pray, God, that people would see you through our lives, that people will see your love and feel your love through our lives. So I thank you this morning that you reveal truth to us, that, you, that you're the one that guides us and directs us into truth, and you show us, like, okay, right here you need to make an adjustment. Right over here you need to set a boundary. Right over here this relationship is really toxic for you. You need to stop that. You need to get out of that. I thank you. You made us powerful to make powerful choices that we can enjoy family.